Hello and welcome. I'm so grateful you're here. I'm your host, Meg Berryman, and this is the Beyond Being Well podcast. Here at the show, we are passionate about helping you, helping you build deep relationships with yourself, the earth, and others, helping you foster a deep, embodied sense of well being and empowerment, helping you slow down, work sustainably, and consume mindfully and helping you create social change from the inside out. So settle in, get cozy, and let's get straight on with the episode. Hello and welcome back to the show. This is your host Meg and you made it. You came back for another one. I'm so happy for both of us that we get to continue this journey together. Um... Today I have Brittany Eastman on the show and I'm super excited to introduce her and her work to you. Before I do that though, I just wanted to say an enormous thanks for those of you that continue to rate and review and share the podcast, which just really supports me to keep providing free content for you guys, which I love doing. So a huge thanks for that and to the incredible folks that have been journeying with me Uh, in the free Facebook group as part of the Rekindle experience. Now all four masterclasses on desire and rhythm and connection and trust can be found there um, and watched as standalone masterclasses. So go ahead and check them out if you haven't already because I know there's going to be something in there that you find supportive or you find nourishing or soothing in its own way. So I asked Brittany to come and chat to us on the show because I have been doing my human design reading training with her and um, I've also been working with her and doing some private mentoring and it's just been such a delight to get to know all of the facets of her work and the way that she thinks and sees the world, which is very similar to mine in some ways. And so I really wanted to bring her on because I know you guys have been asking lots of questions about human design. We've been having lots of great um, explorations around it in the group. So Brittany is um, a human design reader. She's a rule breaker. She's a creator of stuff, as she describes herself. Um, And she really is interested in connecting folks with their inherent ways of being, living, and creating through human design. Um, so Brit and her team are going to be supporting the women stepping into my sacred steward program. They are actually going to be doing the human design readings to start the program so that when you join, you get your energetic blueprint unlocked straight away, which is so, so cool. And then we deepen that exploration during our four months together. So you can come back into energetic correctness and unleash your unique form of leadership in support of the world that you really want to see. Um, So I'm so grateful for that collaboration. I'm so grateful for this podcast interview. If you love it, share it, send me an email, send me a DM, do all the things. I love having conversations about it. Um, Without further ado, here is my chat with Britt. Britt, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Very excited. Yeah, I'm excited too. It's going to be uh, like I'm, I'm calling it early, but it's going to be a good one, I think. <laughs> that is presumptuous <laughs> and, <laughs> and true. It's going to be great. Oh, it's going to be great. So tell me about 
how you are because I feel like we've both had a bit of a situation of late of uh, business going really well, but at the same time that being balanced out by kind of life stuff. So how are you today and this weekend? Yeah, I am... You're right. <laughs> it's the tale of two halves, isn't it? It's mm. um, It's been a really interesting time, I think. It's a very fascinating thing when you are personally really thriving and the world is suffering because that has really... They've really bled into each other. Um, I think what it's created for me um, is a real kind of a discovery actually of, of where my passions live, um, where my activism lives, um, what matters to me. So I think I'm, I'm going through this period of time where I'm, yeah, I'm going through personal stuff like my husband's working away and, um, you know, my kids are, you know, kids, 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 um, (laughs) we'll just leave it at that. (laughs) And all of these global things that are happening and it's, it's really just, it's stoking a fire in me. So I feel like I'm thriving, like I'm flourishing, like I'm discovering these new parts of myself that I now have to honor because, you know, when new information comes to light, you can't unknow it. And, um, yeah, I'm actually really good. I feel the most grounded in my spirituality and the most fired up in my identity that I've ever felt before. So I'm feeling really good. Mm, I love that grounded in spirituality and fired up in identity. And it's funny because I've been having a lot of conversations similarly with other women feeling the same. There's almost a quickening in that fire and an unwillingness to, um, to, to, I guess, settle for ways of being and belonging and behaving that are no longer congruent and are no longer fruitful like and I just feel like there's even though it's uncomfortable af right in that I hear a lot of people saying the same thing it's like I just I don't know why but I just can't settle anymore I just can't do that and I wonder whether that's astrological or part of what's going on in the world like what do you think what are you seeing or hearing when in your work at the moment yeah, I think it's it's this real – I'm a really big believer in whatever's happening on the macro is also happening on the micro. So when I'm looking out and I'm seeing these massive shifts and I'm seeing what's really frustrating me, you know, silence, comfort, agreeability, and I, I notice that that's the thing that frustrates me, I just immediately pull that into myself and I see that mirrored in all of my clients and my friends and my family and, you know, my – Instagram following and all of the things. Um, and I just say, you know, is my silence, is my comfort, is my agreeability fruitful? As you said, you know, is, is that what's fruitful for me right now? So I think I'm really at this point where I'm no longer choosing those things. I feel like I've outgrown elements of my identity where I want to be liked. Um, I've outgrown parts of my identity where, um, you know, my my greatness as a human is predicated on my capacity to be agreeable and liked by others. I'm really shedding those parts. And I think a lot of people are, mm-hmm. a lot of people are starting to see that actually me choosing this road of comfort and, you know, it's, it's easy to like me on this road, but is it true? Mm. 
is it me? And I think we're all really starting to wake up to, fuck, this actually doesn't feel good. Yeah, the programming does not feel good. It does not feel good to, yeah, like, I don't know. And I think on a, you know, even in a business perspective, in in an abundance perspective, like, does my silence, does my comfort, does my agreeability actually generate anything? Mm. And the only thing it generates is more of a fire within me and more of a frustration that I'm actually not liberating that energy from my body. And I think we're seeing that everywhere and people are really starting to to tune into themselves. Yeah, I really, I really love that. And I think that we're on the cusp of, of new paradigms in business, in entrepreneurship, in wellness, in spirituality. Um, I think I, I see like we're just on this precipice of, okay, some of this shit isn't working anymore and we can't keep bypassing all of that. And so new ways, new ways of being. But I love that you said the thing around comfort because to me when we're moving into a new paradigm, it is really uncomfortable. And in fact, I think, as you said, moving it out of our bodies, like we need to be willing to... Um, we need to be willing to honor the pain and the hurts that have been caused by the old paradigm, like that we need to channel that frustration. I think in business in particular, there's a lot of um, healing that needs to be done in terms of what, what business can be in the future. So I'm wondering what your journey has been in terms of business, but also your work in the world, because I know it's so much bigger than business. What was that path? What did that look like for you? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> what did that look like? Um, it looked exactly like how most entrepreneurs say that it looks, which is up, down, here, there, everywhere, <laughs> um, forever changing, evolving, being made new. I've traveled through lots of different industries and lots of different roles, but the consistency was entrepreneurship, innovation, creativity. So I think those things have always been real staples in everything that I've done. Um, but the way that I, um, I guess I stepped into those things more has really evolved over time. So I started off working in, um, exercise, science, health, fitness, wellness, and, um, honestly just got to a point where I was bored and I thought, Oh, I think this was a hobby that I made into my job and I don't actually have a passion to, to extend this or pass this on to other people. I have a passion for embodiment. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a really different thing for me. I thought, oh, I just want to embody this for myself. I don't actually want this to be something that I do forever. And I actually stayed in that for a decade. Mm -hmm. So that's a long time. Um, (laughs) And then I actually went into a natural health business that had a network marketing model and discovered that every rule or lesson or um, process or system that I was taught through there just felt like an assault on what I knew to be true for me. Yeah. And rejected that after a couple of years of just feeling so undernourished and, um, unrewarded and and also really creatively starved Mm. in that. So when I rejected that, I actually rejected it, let it go, And had nothing, like had nothing to go to. So I just kind of was in this place of a blank slate and I thought, I wonder what will arrive when I release what's not for me. 
And um, I ended up finding human design and with absolutely no intention of making that a career, I started to discover that human design actually really, it, it felt like home for me. It felt like a way to really see myself. And um, it was probably the first time that I had felt articulated. Hmm. And so through feeling like, oh, you get me, I really started to, to dive into that and you know, through people being like, read my chart, read my chart. Um, I actually created a really amazing business from that, that kind of travels through just doing private readings and then into teaching people how to actually read and then evolving that reading into more of a way to, um, really help people unbecome everything that wasn't them and step into this place of free expression and full identity. And, you know, all of these things that really started to become really consistent themes for me. And, I'm at this place right now where I have the Freethinker podcast. I'm really dabbling in what phenomenal free expression looks like um, and how you cultivate that and, and ripple that out to impact other people. Um, so it, it's kind of, it's ever changing. I've got a program called Going Rogue, which is all about breaking all of the rules that we see existing in the world so that we can write our own rule books, especially through business and leadership and you know, it's, it's really just evolving all the time. And when people say, what do you do? I'm always like, um, I don't know exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it's just evolving. And I'm really leaning into the things that actually just feel like there's a resonance there. And, and for me right now, I'm, I'm leaning into what, um, what politics and, free expression looks like for spiritual awake grounded millennials looks like and yeah there's just so much and I'm just really I just feel like my business is always just going to be an extension of everything that feels good and right and true for me in any given moment and that's just where I'm really sitting right now Mm, I love it so much I love it too because as you're talking through that journey it's like I'm I'm hearing it through the lens of your design right and so I'm like that beautiful journey of that sixth line coming into Mm -hmm. you know coming into the as you call it the alchemy part of um, all the experiences now being embodied into wisdom and then this projector part of you being seen by human design it's just so um, beautiful and the thing that I think I I love the most about working with you in your business is that you use human design as the scaffolding but really it is so much bigger than that and the orientation that you have in your business where it is in service to you and then you are the leader you are the one creating the impact creating the effect Mm -hmm. I really think that's the new paradigm of business right it's not like how do I serve or how do I give or how do I like pour my energy out it's like how does this thing support me to embody the leader that I am um how do I channel resources in that way so what do you what are you like where are you at with how you see business and entrepreneurship like you said it's a vehicle for your creative expression yeah what else comes to mind yeah I think you really just wrapped it up in a nice little nutshell I think one of the roles I really see myself playing at the moment is how to usher people into this new paradigm of business and expression and 
a lot of the way that I do that is actually dismantling all of the old paradigm that exists through, you know, what does branding look like? What does marketing look like? What does, you know, on-brand commentary commentary look like? Um, and so, yeah, as you said, I really want business to come from this place of my influence and my impact needs to be a by default natural and organic by um byproduct everything that i do and the only way that that can happen is if i'm as me as possible Mm -hmm. and so for me the new paradigm of business looks like removing every shred of everyone else from myself so that i'm left standing strictly as me and when i can do that i'm then in a place of untouched creativity untouched expression and when i say untouched i mean that no one else has had their little mitts on it no one else has had their their input or their perspective it's just pure me and i think why would we be made as ourselves if we were meant to be like someone else Mm. so it's so good i love it i love it because it's just like what is that i think for so many of us it's like what 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 would that even feel like or look like you know and that's i think where human design so beautiful and you know i'm so particular about modalities and and whatever i bring in because i Mm -hmm. similarly to you it's just um a, a creative expression but when i found human design and then when i started working with you to learn how to read in a way that's so much more about critical thinking and um, empowerment, that was really revolutionary to me. It's like, oh, modalities don't have to be this thing that becomes a rule book. In fact, Mm -hmm. human design of all of them is just the call back home. And it's not about making anything that we do wrong, but rather tapping into... Um, yeah, if something feels like shit, there's a reason, you know, like, it's like, how much <laughs> exactly. do we justify, like, the, how shit we feel all the time? We're like, yeah, but it's probably good for us. Or like, that is, that yeah. is, I think what's falling away is like an unwillingness to accept that as a way that we need to be. Absolutely. And I mean, I would hate for people to work with me and walk away going, oh, I'm successful because I did Brit's process Mm -hmm. or I'm successful because I read in the way that Brit reads because that would be me embedding myself in their cells and them speaking from my expression. You know, I think that all successful business is predicated on how you, like how you, you can be, you know, I think we forget that. And a lot of um, mentors, guides, coaches, leaders, you know, teachers of whatever modality or process get really attached to people being their their marketing tools. And so they want people saying, my business success is a direct result of working with that person. Mm. It's why I don't have testimonials up on my website. It's why I don't I don't indulge in those things because I don't want people claiming that my work was the reason for their success. And I think this is the new way paradigm of business is like, you know, it's the new way Mm. people can own how fully magnificent they are when they just become themselves and everyone is going to need support from somewhere. And if I can provide a loose scaffolding for people to see who they're actually, who they are deep within their cells, they then have this freedom to pluck out everything else. Mm. And I'm not doing that for them. 
Mm. You know, that, that's them. So I think we need to be really discerning with business and um, and the way that we offer things. And it's so funny with Going Rogue, when I launched it, I had a bunch of people send me DMs or emails being like, so am I going to have to follow a routine or like a process? <laughs> and I just laughed back and I was like, did you read that it's called Going Rogue? <laughs> <laughs> the whole point is to not do that. <laughs> yeah. So I think... When people say, so what is your business about? It's so funny because I'm like, nothing. It's about nothing. Um, It's about everything and nothing. (laughs) So it's, yeah, it is a really different way of seeing business. And I guess it's not something that I've ever seen um, that I've really been able to, to hold on to and go, oh, this is the way for me to become successful. Because when I've done that, I've found myself merging and morphing into something that's not me. Yeah, and it's so, I mean, the resonance in the field is so negative when we're in that. And I, the, the most beautiful thing about it is I'm sure there'll be people listening who are like, oh, I'm going to do that. And the most beautiful thing is that it's only ever going to work for you because like it's your exactly. design. And that's the thing that, that I've found too in my business is like actually the more rogue I go, but actually the more in alignment I am with me, but rogue from the exactly. rules, the more effortless and no it's not effortless I don't want to say that because I think that's another another trope that's kind of carried out there oh it's just easy no I work really hard but I love it I love what I do and in that way it's easeful and yep. um I just I just am obsessed with this new paradigm of business I just think it's so exciting and if we can create those really deep skills of critical thinking of embodiment of like understanding feedback in whatever form that comes to you depending on your design like I just think that they're the tools a a beautiful friend of mine said she calls them the rituals of the revolution you know and I just Mm, love that (laughs) yeah so delicious yeah yeah you're so right it's um oh I just I think that there's you know, from a human design perspective, and I know I was sharing this with you yesterday when we spoke, um, I was saying that it's really easy for us to to spend all of our time working on, you know, the, these, these things that aren't working for us. You know, I'm working through my shadow and I'm working through my stuff and, you know, I'm just going through a thing right now. You know, I think as a spiritual community, everyone's a little bit obsessed with their shadow work and their inner child and, you know, undoing trauma and healing and all of the stuff and not to say that that's not necessary and important and, um, you know, really vital but I personally believe that the biggest and most hardest and most revolutionary thing you'll do is actually stepping into your gifts. Mm. You know, and I think every time my, my business has evolved or, or whatever, it's simply because I'm, I'm leaning into these two defined areas in my chart that I have. I'm stepping into my, my voice from my defined throat and I'm stepping into my identity. Mm. Um, and, you know, my, my success is quite literally predicated on and how much I can be in my identity. Mm. And so, yeah, when, I, when I'm when i choosing the old paradigm of like, oh, well, I'll just say what is on brand, I'm quite literally abandoning this one part of me that is my true gift. Mm. So yeah. I think when we can really see things freely and critically but also spiritually and, yeah, taking in all the breadth of perspectives, I think we can create something that feels really ease-filled, really magical, really abundant, and just really 
fucking joyful. Yeah. <laughs> really blissful. And exciting. Like I, I want to share, you know, this, we were having a conversation one day and I was at the very end of our call and, um, I'd been walking because hmm. I'm an MG, right. And I can't do one thing at once. And you're just like totally fine with that. And we're both doing our thing. And then at the end of the call, I was like, Oh, I've got all these people that want to do readings, but I've decided, you know, readings isn't going to be sustainable for me um, because of because of just the business model that I want to work toward at the moment. And you're like, oh, yeah. well, you know, we can do readings for you, for your students. And I was just like, and it was so effortless and so mm-hmm. easy. And it was built on, I mean, we're both four sixes, right? But it was built on the relationship and the trust that had been established. And I think that that's part of the new paradigm too, is that we don't have to be everything. Like we do not have to be Swiss army knives. We do not have to Mm-mm. give everyone everything. We can give them the finite piece that is really in alignment with our gifts. And then we can let other people step the fuck in and help and be in their genius and be in their things. And we can all be rewarded and valued for that. So how do you see kind of collaborating and relationships in the new paradigm? Because I know that relationships for you, you speak a lot, you speak a lot about it and it is really dependent on our design and whatever's happening in our charts. But how do you see relationships in business specifically, but also just how we can step into relationships that are healthy and energetically correct? Oh God, where do I begin? Um, (laughs) We've got got four hours, so. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Okay. Relationships in business. I'll start there because this is something I think exists and there's kind of a rule, which is collaboration over competition. Mm. That is kind of the thing that we see a lot. And I think that there is a belief around collaboration that it needs to look like direct partnership. Um, in a an offering that you share with another person Mm. and i i reject that that's a rule and i think that it doesn't need to look like that the first thing i would suggest is does collaborating genuinely feel good for you or does the compromise and negotiation that comes with collaboration actually feel like more of a, a a job more of a task for you so personally i've always been like oh i'll collaborate with someone because it actually helps me feel less exposed um, to stand on my own. So it was actually a rejection of self. That was the reason I wanted to collaborate. Now when I look at collaboration and someone says, hey, can we partner? I will say yes only if A, it feels really good, and B, if I can completely keep my own autonomy, sovereignty, and independence to create in the way that I want to. So if there are stipulations or rules or regulations or restrictions on the way that I create, I will just really lovingly and understandingly decline and just say, I don't think I'm your girl. And I think that there's this other thing, a lot of the time people are like, no, I really have to stand on my own two feet and I have to do this by myself when really they're actually designed to collaborate and to partner. And you don't need a human design reading to tell you that. You just need to tune in and say, does it actually feel good? to do that. So I think that partnership in business can look so many different ways, but personally, and I know we've spoken about this, the way that I choose to collaborate is actually to bring in external people that do jobs that I don't want to do. So I have a virtual assistant, for example, and then I have four other people that take readings so that I don't spend every minute of every day doing a reading. And I set boundaries on like what's okay and how we do that. And then I say, and then 
have complete creative free reign. Do whatever you want within mm. those boundaries. And I want you to feel like you are your own independent being and you're just contributing to what I'm doing and you're running your own thing. So like that feels really good for me. I should also point out that I'm a single definition in human design. So, <laughs> like, um, I don't need anyone. <laughs> um, and I love having them there because oh, I yeah. love sharing and celebrating in the wins but I'm also not going to get on the phone with everyone in my team and be like, what do you guys think? Mm. And I'm going to take in all of your perspectives and, and melt so that I can, you know, satisfy each of you because that's, that doesn't feel good and right for me. Mm. And there are people where that does. They're really beautiful facilitators of the needs of several people. And that's not me. So I think really tuning in and being like, actually not what's widely accepted or no, not what is the narrative in this, you know, hashtag conscious enterprise but actually what feels good and right that's where I would start um other relationship stuff that I I'm a really really big fan of is really just seeing what kind of um emotional defaults we have when we are uncomfortable this is one of my major ways of really assessing um my own health in my relationships um, and what I mean by that is when things get uncomfortable, what do you default to? Do you default to domineering, intimidating, questioning and um, interrogating, being aloof and, you know, just staying out of the way and not really saying what you think? Do you become a victim? Do you blame? Do you cold shoulder, silent treatment, you know, huff and puff, storm out, <laughs> you know, use sarcasm, pull old arguments into this current argument, blame, victimize, you know, all of the things that we can do. And, you know, I think the best thing that we can all just say is that no one is immune to this. Everyone will have a default. Um, and it's a, literally about bringing that into the light. And I think as soon as we can see our own emotional defaults, when we get uncomfortable, it's what I call your relationship energetic threshold. When you get to a point in your conversations or your relationships with other people where you go, oh, whoa, this is as far as I'm willing to be me. I'm going to actually abandon myself and I'm be going to become who they need me to be so that I can avoid confrontation. Hmm. And so I think that's a really important part of being in really energetic and aligned relationships with people. And you said something before you said, the more you go rogue, the more aligned you become. It's almost like going rogue on the rules, whether they're a personal rule or a societal rule, the more aligned we actually become. Mm. And I think it's about accepting and understanding that you will be misperceived. You will be misunderstood. And it is not your responsibility to micromanage how that misperception affects you. Yeah. I so, yeah, I think that's been, you know, my, my major relationship and um, interaction kind of learnings, um, just really discovering who I'm being in my relationships. And I can't take responsibility for how someone else is being in a relationship, but I can take responsibility for what's okay with me. Mm. Yeah, it's big. It's big because it's like the, the first piece you're talking about business and then and then this follow on. It's really that that sovereignty and that self responsibility that we find it so hard to stay with, and that our I think our nervous system tolerance for discomfort in that form is still 
got a long way to go, <laughs> to be honest. Oh, yes. You know, because we do want to enmesh and we do want to, and you know, for all very good reasons, trauma and, and trauma and um, conditioning and all of those things. And at the same time, that sovereignty and that moment that we move toward what we think that person wants us to be is the exact and precise moment that we lose access to those gifts, right? And that we lose access to that truth and that channel. And, um, and so I, I do think that the, the role of a leader, at least that I see it at the moment is someone who is willing enough to break the rules and let other people watch and to define, and broaden and it's like where I feel like as leaders where we're widening the perception of what culture values and we're really like pulling it apart from this very narrow kind of explicit like this is the rules to while all of this is okay too and in fact not just okay fucking magic when we can be in that necessary (laughs) yeah do you think though that we're like we're kind of terrified of ourselves in that like do you think that there's an element as well here around that we do want to mesh and we do want to fawn and we do want to um enmesh because because we're terrified of of the potency that we are when we're not doing that oh my god yes i think we're so you know, it's, it's, I can't even remember that quote, but you know, it's about being scared of your own greatness. Mm. They say it in coach Carter, the movie, if you've ever watched that, (laughs) it's quite great. (laughs) Um, yeah, it's such a beautiful quote because I think it's true. Sometimes we, um, we self-sabotage because we are so great and, you know, it's, it's really easy to be like, Oh, I'm really great and I'm scared. And that's why I do that ta-da kind of problem solved but I also believe that we we want to share we want to share our audacity with another person to soften the blows when they come because Mm -hmm. it's not about if they come it's when they come you know I've been speaking to a lot of people about this recently because I've been sharing um things that are you know air quotes off brand um I've been talking about things that are just really really hot on my heart and I'm really really passionate about and they can be somewhat political in nature and that hasn't landed well with everyone you know that that hasn't landed that well because people are adjusting to this newness now, for a while, I shared other people's posts and no one gave a shit because mm. I wasn't saying this is me. I was saying, hey, this is them, and I like somewhat subtly agree. That's that's a whole different thing. You know, I think sometimes we want to enmesh and we want to hide behind and we want to soften the blow and, and cushion our landing because we, we think that by being us, if we're rejected when we fully are ourselves, then we, we are fully rejected on a soul level. Whereas if we're rejected by saying a half-truth, we're like, oh, well, I know that that's not really me. So it's easier. I think that standing out in our own full magic and our own full greatness comes with it the highest of highs you will ever experience. And it also comes with blows that, that can feel like an attack on who you are. Hmm. And I think we want to shelter ourselves from those. But when we do, when we shelter ourselves from those blows, we also cut ourselves off from the highest of highs. And I just choose that. Hmm. 
Yeah. It's a, and, and I'm sure that resilience has been built over time, right? From the blows. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That wasn't like an overnight thing where I was like, Oh fuck it. I'll just, yeah, that was, um, definitely built up over time. Definitely. Mm. You said this thing yesterday in a call that was so profound to me that you said when we can move towards newness, um, we're talking about the spleen specifically and bringing that into energetic correctness, but you were saying that when we move towards newness, the old just has to fall away and, or something like that. I'm just, I'm probably like horribly misquoted you, but I loved that, that idea. Great <laughs> I loved that idea of like, <laughs> of, um, of the moving towards newness, right? Like, I think that to be honest, if I look at our bodies, if I look at the health of our communities, if I look at the health of our relationships, if I look at the health of the planet, any of those um, measures of performance, we're not doing too great, right? Like I think that a client said to me this week, uh, I just realized that my reaction to what I knew was going on in a certain industry wasn't abnormal. It was like the exact right reaction to have about what is happening. And I think that that idea of that we're holding on to the rules, we're holding on to the old in a way, like we're seeing it a lot right now with wanting to go back to normal, wanting wanting to go back to the rules. Um, but then this idea of listening to the feedback and trying to move towards something that is not that, it strikes me as like I think a lot of the personal development and wellness work that we've done until this point has been like trying to make us still thrive in this very not thrive worthy environment. Whereas the new, the next paradigm is maybe about building the building the building the different rules, like making new rules, moving towards that different way of being and belonging and behaving. Um, through yeah. acknowledging that this is making us sick. Like this is not this is not how we thrive. Yeah. I think we are um we are fed rules that say you can thrive up to this point and then it's not okay because it's outside the rules. Mm. We're really taught that, you know, how can you thrive within existing structures? We don't get taught how can you thrive to your maximum degree. And I think that that's fucked. Like mm. that annoys me a lot because there are so many stifled people that say this is as far as I can go until I'm considered X, Y, Z. Mm. And I, I said this in a post the other day, how you can you be until you reach the threshold of what's comfortable for other people. And then you have to abandon yourself. And, you know, when I was saying if I did in fact say that lovely quote you <laughs> quoted. <laughs> um, yeah, I think when we step into newness, we can't coexist with our old identities. You know, when I, when I lean into my voice and my expression and my truth, my silence and my comfort and my agreeability can't coexist there. Mm. So when people say, oh, you know, I'm really learning how to let go of this thing. And I'm like, well, stop worrying about how to let go of it and just become the new thing because the other thing will just drop away anyway mm. so don't exert your energy on things that you're trying to remove start focusing on the thing that you want to be start being it and the other thing will drop away and you know and, and this can be I remember one of the very first times I really lent into my voice and my truth and it was actually with my mother-in-law and it wasn't even a confrontation it wasn't a conflict 
I said, you know, I actually don't love it when you say that. That was the first time I really spoke up for something that felt, you know, nerve wracking and shaky. Mm. And in that moment, I became someone who used her voice. You know, I became it. You really went straight in for the, straight in for the top of the tier in terms of relationships. (laughs) Didn't start with a best friend or. (laughs) No, I didn't start with a stranger on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) And honestly, best thing ever, because it really, it took her aback. And I noticed how my truth made others uncomfortable, even when it wasn't something that was confrontational. Mm. I noticed how much my voice could rattle. And in that moment, I went, holy shit, I am impactful beyond measure. Mm. And it was this really small moment, but it was really eye-opening for me. And it didn't even lead to anything. It literally was her going, oh, oh, well, okay then. And I just felt like a million bucks. Mm. Oh, my God, I did it. I've become the person that has a voice, that can express, that can hold her own. And I've released this part of me that feels like in order to be a good bloke, I simultaneously have to be silent. Mm. That part of me was no longer a thing. It's not even moving towards newness, right? It's moving towards you-ness. It's moving yeah, towards just, like, yeah, you, you, who you are in your design. And yeah, yeah I bloody love yeah. that actually just your truth. And I think everyone's like, well, what is my truth? I'm like, no, you already know. Mm. You just don't like it. Mm -hmm. And I mean, sometimes we don't know and we genuinely have to figure stuff out. Like if we're so blocked by all of the things that we're doing that are actually so far away from us, we might need to do some excavating and some dismantling for sure. But I think for the most part with a lot of the people that we're working with who have been in these, you know, Um, communities of of growth and development for a while most of them will know oh I do know what my truth is but I'm rejecting it because I never saw that for myself Mm. you know for me right now being like wow do I really have a place in a political humanitarianism you know big voice expression field because that's never ever something I saw for myself and there's like this cognitive dissonance that that could actually be something for me Mm. and I think there's there's just this pull there's just a pull and I I I know that that's the truth communicating to me hey this is for you we're going to lead you down here will you will you come Mm -hmm. and I think when we're rejecting our truth because it doesn't make sense and we can't see how it fits and we didn't see it for ourselves we experience cognitive dissonance and we reject those parts of ourselves so you know, as they say, if we ignore our desires, they'll come back with the fist of necessity and yeah. they'll be made known, be made to be seen. Yeah, I love that. I um, You have a lot of conversations, you know, with, with women about the program and, and they're like, but I don't identify as a leader. And it's like, well, you do because you're having this conversation. <laughs> you know? and, I, and I've thought many times, like, stop using the word leader. And I'm like, actually, no, because... I do think we are all leading. We're just doing it unconsciously or we're doing it uh, with no reverence or we're doing it without understanding our potency and our potential and our influence. And so I think that stepping into that bigger vision, that bigger activism that you're talking about is like precisely the discomfort that I do want to lead people through is that four months, mm-hmm. you know, to, to take people through 
into that place where they stand in their activism and they say, actually, I'm already a change maker. Look, look at the change I'm making. Look at the, in my own way, you know. But I, I want to talk quick fire round to finish up. Okay. I'm putting you on the spot. So, so ready. I want to talk about human design and I'm going to talk to some areas. And if you could reflect on how human design has supported you in that particular area. Cool. Does that sound good? I love that. This okay. is fun. This All is right. going to be fun. Okay, so how has human design supported you in the parenthood journey? Oh, God. Um, it has helped me see the blueprint of my children and how I can better facilitate them staying in that mm-hmm. by honestly just getting the fuck out of the way. Yeah. You have two wild manifestors, right? It's I do. Like they are. It's like double pushing you out of the way. So yeah, just really get right out of the way. <laughs> and how beautiful though that you can't you, that you don't take that personally. Like how many times as parents we can just be like, oh, it's something I've done wrong. No, it's just their aura type. <laughs> like it's just yeah, literally, literally who they are. <laughs> everyone that meets them, they go, wow, they're so independent. And I'm like, yeah. You just got to let them do the things. And it's not that it doesn't um, affect me sometimes. You know, sometimes I'm like, oh, I wish they did need some some more input from me. But really all I'm doing is like setting up things so that they don't get injured so that they can be as independent as possible, you know. Which is such so, a loving thing to do. And we've all talked about how you can have my – five one generator anytime you want some you want some not independence <laughs> <laughs> yes the old oh gosh uh, yeah, the, the koala babies the koala babies bless them little beautiful koala babies yeah um okay so what about in your love relationship in your intimate relationship uh it's really helped with communication mm-hmm. so i am married to a splenic projector and i'm a self-projected projector his cognition is also inner vision, so he's someone who can receive in the moment but can't process until later. And so I think knowing those things about us um, and knowing that I'm self-projected, which means I really need to talk things through, um, that really helps us be able to communicate in a way that actually honours us both. So he's a beautiful witness. He's a beautiful listener. Um And I know that he'll process over time and he'll come back to me when it's good and right. So I've lost the expectation of him being able to, um, you know, quick fire answers and questions back at me. And I just, I just talk things out. I allow him to receive and witness. Um, That's really, really helped us in an intimate relationship just to see each other more clearly. And in every other relationship, um, it has really helped me not take people's expression, communication and um, decision-making styles personally. And it's really allowed me to give people more space to be exactly who they need to be in order to stay in energetic correctness. And it's allowed me to do that for myself. So, oh, so good. just all those incredible things. My, yeah. um, my husband's a single definition and God, like the amount of energy I've spent over the years trying to make him codependent with me. <laughs> just no, no interest in it. He's just like, I don't need it. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. You know what? That's actually another thing. So like my husband's single definition i'm single definition and we just have so many split definitions around us it'll be like but don't you guys like why don't you work together why don't you build things together (laughs) and we just look at each other and we're like 
sounds awful. Like it sounds terrible. And it's so funny because for a while we were like, is something wrong? Like, why don't we want to do that? Why don't we want to enmesh and be codependent? <laughs> and I think this has just helped us give um, more of an understanding to that. I feel like, oh, we just really love, you know, being on our own and coming together and sharing time together and then very swiftly going back to our own spaces. Mm, so good. It's just, it's it's like li- literally marriage saving stuff, I swear. Yeah. So um, last one, what about your health and wellness? Mm, health and wellness. Well, largely that's come down to uh, the way that I work. I was really, really good at martyring myself for my work and for my schedule. So I really believed that success was a byproduct of the effort that I put into something, how hard I worked at that effort, and then how consistently I could show up for that effort. And it really, um, it led me down a path where I was just constantly exhausted. Um, I was working a lot. My creativity was really starved. I was too puffed to hang out with my kids and be really present. And it's really helped me um, kind of rewrite my own rules for what, what success would look like for me, but what work looks like for me, what creativity looks like for me, how well I've you know, what I can do to feel really nourished. And so it's really just allowed me more play, more movement, more um, time actually not working. I definitely work a very part-time week. So it's really helped me to to create beautiful boundaries around what is and isn't okay for me in terms of my efforting and my exertion. And so in terms of health and wellness, that has just mentally, emotionally, physically, energetically improved absolutely everything. Mm. I love that redefining the rules around work and creativity just has those massive flow and effects. I love that angle. It's like, stop trying to force ourselves to be morning, morning routine people and, and just get the boundaries around some other things sorted. And yeah, then there is just more energy. Yeah. Just mm. give me a coffee and let me roll around in the mornings and I'm, I'm sweet. So <laughs> Not at 4.30 like my morning started, but still. Uh, no, definitely not then. <laughs> I would love your, as a last um, little piece, I would love your expression, exploration, words around what regenerative leadership means to you. Mm, what does regenerative leadership mean to me? I'm going to kind of repeat something that we've already been talking about, and that is that regenerative leadership to me is the capacity to be made new every single day and to be just as sovereign and confident to turn up as that person as you were yesterday and to know that through doing that you're creating a permission or a freedom for other people to continually regenerate who they are energetically, emotionally, and in business. So I think, you know, I I don't know about you, but every time I run a program or I make a new offering, I am completely made new by the end of that. Mm -hmm. And I think when we've marketed something one way or we've written a sales page in one way, we are so petrified of moving away from that because we say, no, I committed to these people that this is who I would be for this program. Mm. 
And again, I reject that idea that we need to be made new. And I think the reason that we are ushered into new ways of being to regenerate ourselves um, is because that is exactly what is needed. Mm. And so I really believe that being able to change swiftly and consciously as often as possible is the epitome of regenerative leadership to me. Mm. I love that. And as an MG, like that is just music to my ears, right? Of like so <laughs> yeah. many years spent trying to be one thing and be the mm-hmm. same on any given day. And like just the grief of um of the magic that is lost from the world when we when we don't follow the impulses of how we feel on any given day. Like it's so much magic just being squashed. So thank mm-hmm. you for bringing the magic back in all the ways that you do. And thank you for sharing your time and wisdom with us. Um, if you, is your going road program still open for people that it is. interested? Do you want to, yeah. do, do you want to tell the people about the thing? <laughs> tell the humans <laughs> about the things. <laughs> I would love to. So I have an eight-week program called Going Rogue. It's about accessing your untouched truths so that you can lead, create, enterprise, and be in a way that is the most you you could possibly be. And we talk on three specific pillars of content. One is called truth-telling. The next one is about the energetics of enterprise and business and relationships uh, and leadership. And the next one is called impact and influence. And that is literally all about how you actually get your impact and your influence to be a natural byproduct of being yourself and how marketing and branding never, ever has to be something you think about again. So that's basically the whole program. Um, We've got our early bird cart open until july the 10th and then the normal carts open until july 31 so exciting very very cool all right Britt, thank you so much for your time and wisdom today you are so welcome thank you so much for having me Thank you.